Hey. Just put my key in the lock to enter my home. Hey, sorry, sir. Hello. Can I speak to you for a second? Depends. I mean, I'm just wondering. Uh, I have it on good authority that you're one of the jurors in this uh, Rittenhouse case thing going on. Maybe yes, maybe no. What's Can, up? Uh, you know, I just want to want to figure out a little something. something. Want to figure out what what verdict you're leaning on? It's totally well, professional. I'm out of I'm out of the place. You shouldn't be asking me this. I would also like to know your identity if you'd give it to me, and also the identity of any jurors who might also be on this case as well. Huh? Don't worry, MSNBC here. See my badge. Oh, MSNBC. MSNBC. Oh, great! I have the addresses, social security. Good job, Taylor. You guys broke character. Keep going. Well, well power through. It was, very professionals here. it was very difficult when I was hearing my own voice in my head. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, guys, our skit points to the complete and utter kangaroo court that is happening right now in the United States of America in regard to Kyle Rittenhouse, the 18-year-old man who is being tried right now for two deaths and one injury that happened in Kenosha in response to... Uh, people attacking him so uh, by and large this has been a kangaroo court since it started since uh the this case began uh, to go to trial we've had several different attempts to find jurors who are actually fit to sit on the jury for this due to bias and media coverage and all of that fun stuff we've seen a complete and utter laughable prosecution case set towards uh, kyle rittenhouse and just some very very funny videos coming out of the prosecution on this trial and now not only have we seen jurors being threatened and followed and trying to get doxxed we see it coming from journalism here in america msnbc here's the video out of the court with the judge talking about a recent incident that has happened to a juror in this case last evening um a person who identified himself as james g morrison and who claimed that he was a producer with NBC News, employed uh, for N MSNBC, um, and under the supervision of a person. What's going on? Oh, okay. Uh, under the supervision of someone named Irene Bayan in New York uh, for MSNBC. Uh, the police, when they stopped him, because he was following at a distance of about a, a block and uh, went through a red light, pulled him over and inquired of him what was going on, and he gave that information and stated that he had been instructed by Ms. Bayon in New York to follow the jury bus. Uh, the matter is uh, under further investigation at this point. Um, and the media has asked questions about it. That's the latest I have. Um, and he was ticketed for uh, uh, violating a traffic control signal. Uh, he's not here today from what I'm told. And um, I have instructed that no one from MSNBC News will be permitted in this building for the duration of this trial. There we go. 
good on the judge for taking these situations very seriously and trying to put a nix on them because now MSNBC is no longer allowed in this courthouse. And it does seem that the uh, the accusations placed or at least the information given by the man who was pulled over is actually true. Uh, we had Tim Poole sort of look into this a little bit, uh, specifically the name Irene Bayon. She did have a LinkedIn, but that got swiped off the Internet. I'm assuming she deleted it because she was getting a lot of uh, a lot of questions through her LinkedIn. Uh, here's the video of him going through that and checking that out. Yep, this profile is no longer available. So uh, it seems to me that Irene Bayon is a real person who does work for MSNBC, who most likely gave this guy orders to go and follow that jury bus. Again, not allowed. I don't know how, how much I need to stress that. Not allowed to do that. No, you are not. <laughs> it is a bad move for sure. I mean, it is kind of the antithesis of what justice is supposed to be about when mm -hmm. you are going and talking to these people, trying to figure out what they're going to do and, and find out who they're going to, if they're going to acquit or not. It's, it's truly a, a terrible indicative statement on MSNBC for the reporter to do this, you know, just the lengths that these people will go to. I think that it proves a bigger point that a lot of these people just don't care about about standards whatsoever when it comes to journalism, I mean, or even just being a, a safe American. I mean, these things are not supposed to happen. All these things with the trial are not supposed to happen. I mean, the fact that they're not saying mistrial right now is just insane to me, especially even with the, the video that didn't work, that it was too blurry. They showed a different video than the other people actually had. It's just a... a conglomerate of messed up stuff at this trial. Right. We've had the FBI withholding footage. We've had a, a struggle to find jurors, as I stipulated earlier, and just, just blatant <laughs> uh, BS from, from the prosecution on this. And we've already speculated and talked about this trial in particular because Kyle Rittenhouse is being tried at a little over a year after this incident has occurred. And for a little over a year, there has been massive media outrage towards him, people characterizing him as a white supremacist, Facebook censoring any posts that are put in support of him, GoFundMe not allowing anybody to re raise funds for his legal defense in this case. I mean, he has borne the brunt of, of people mischaracterizing who he is as a person and the entire situation. We had the FBI withholding footage of the actual incident uh, until it was called out by the court. So there's just so many things that have gone wrong in this case that point to the fact that this young man is not getting a fair and just trial, which everybody deserves here in America. So what happens here, I hope is an acquittal or, you know, uh, when the verdict does come in, but my goodness, it's just BS. No. Everyone needs to be more like Kyle Rittenhouse, okay? Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. He is a hero. The things that he did, the things that he is still trying to do. I mean, the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse did what he did showcases the type of America that we are in today. That lawlessness is fine and that people who try and defend their, their cities, their counties, whatever it is, are the evil ones, according to the mainstream today. Mm -hmm. That is why Kyle is a hero. That is why we should all be supporting him. That's why we've been talking about him on the show every single day because of how important it is and how, and how much we truly respect this guy for what he's doing everyone should be following along and yeah. know what's actually happening in the trial too it's one thing to you know read what cnn says about the trial it's another thing to actually watch it and and understand what is happening within there yeah, anybody who's seen the video of what happened in that incident knows that this is just, uh, this is all farcical. It is all theater. And MSNBC following this jury bus, again, not allowed, is such a 
perfect picture of the way that American media runs today. They are not journalists. They do not have journalistic integrity. They do not care to have journalistic integrity. They do not care that you have the truth. They care that you have their narrative. And that's what they're trying to do here. What this reporter was trying to do by following that jury bus, we do not know. Were they going to dox the jury? Were they going to ask the jury about their verdict? Were they going to infiltrate and try to give them information that influenced their verdict on this? We have no clue. And we might not ever have one unless an investigation is launched with which the judge said as, uh, is going to happen. But who knows what their intent was with this, but we know it is not the intent of journalistic integrity. I'm just sad that we're going to miss out on MSNBC's just exceptional and unbiased coverage of this case. Right. They just do such a great job with hard-hitting facts and factual reporting. What it's are just, we going to do? It's just tragic. What are we really? going to do? What am I going to do if I can't hear Joy Reid talk to me about, <laughs> about Kyle Rittenhouse? White tears. Yes, about white tears and yeah. how effective they are. It's I truly, think I'll die. I will be in shambles. Yeah. Undoubtedly. I'll need therapy. Undoubtedly. How does that make you feel? Makes me feel like I need more therapy and oh. probably not from Will, but <laughs> <laughs> I give great therapy. From somebody. <laughs> now, speaking of biased media that cares nothing for journalistic integrity, here is the headline out of the blaze. Bill Gates has given $319 million to bankroll select media outlets and change the public narrative. And the internet has receipts. This is the report. Now, I want to go ahead and preface this. Bill Gates is pretty much unloved by both the political left and the political right. Mm -hmm. I think by and large people know this man is not a good guy and he doesn't have good intentions. I think so too. I think most people would agree. But let's get into the scope of just how powerful he is as an individual. So again, that's the $319 million number for the amount of money he has given out to different media outlets. What are these media outlets? Well, there's a lot. There's a, a lot. They had to go in and review over 30,000 grants given out by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, now, the main beneficiaries of these millions and millions of dollars is CNN, NBC, NPR, PBS, the Atlantic, New York Public Radio, and more. And what what way do all those news outlets lean? <laughs> Just a, riddle me that, Will. Mm -hmm. No, it's not even a riddle. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. It's not a riddle. No. How it's can not. you have how can you have media in this country when the media is bought out? It's like people expect Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, to buy the Washington Post and think that the Washington Post is going to write articles that are bad about Jeff Bezos or mm -hmm. about billionaires or tax things on billionaires, like all these different things. Like, no, of course not. If Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is giving hundreds of thousands up to millions of dollars to certain news organizations, what do you think they are going to report on? Yeah. You will not have fair journalism in this country when you have that going on. I mean, this... Bill Gates is genuinely evil in, in so many of the things that he has invested in that you guys probably don't have any idea the things that he has his, his his feet in i mean when it comes to the synthetic beef and all that kind of stuff the farmland that he owns he has 300 million or 300,000 acres of farmland bill gates the is country. the biggest farmer in america yeah technically big, big, well biggest private farmer <laughs> yeah you know there's still like 900 900 million acres of farmland that's amazing you know, and he owns about 300,000 but what he does when he does this is that he is making it so that essentially small farm farmers are not owning their own land anymore Right. When all these investors, big companies in China as well is coming in, investing in American farmland, when they're coming in and doing this, it makes it so that small business farmers are not being able to build up their own farms. Right. Because you have some huge conglomerate foundation coming in and buying all these farms. And then what do they want to do? Bill Gates wants to get rid of rid of meat. Mm -hmm. He wants to get rid of meat and turn it all into synthetic meat. 
He's buying up the farmland so that they can do that. I mean, it's just, man. Yeah, not a good guy. Yeah, I mean, and it points to that our battles can be fought together. It doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you fall on on this one. You should care about this. And for those of you who say, well, he's not using it for influence. He's simply just giving them resources and money. Let's look at the article here. The money is generally directed towards issues close to the Gates heart. For example, $3.6 million was given to CNN to go towards gender equality uh, in, in least developed countries and talking about the fight for women and girls around the world he's given money to go through uh different racialized and diversity and equity and inclusion for these different programs and these different media outlets he's given money i did a story on this a while back uh there was a a big story that came out months ago months ago as the as the news cycles go through called the pathway to equitable math and you guys remember this as the two plus two does not equal four because that's racist bill gates was funding that Mm -hmm. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was the primary funder for that initiative to review and take away objectivity from math. Mm -hmm. Look, he's giving money, just like you just said, about gender equality across the world. Okay, that is something that he is giving money to gender equality across the world. Is he giving money to Ayan Hirsi Ali? Is he giving no. money to to people who are actually for gender equality against these Islamist nations, these nations that are horrible to women? Like in Saudi Arabia, you are a second-class city, citizen. In Somalia, you have genital mutilation for almost right. all of the girls who are born in that country. No, they're not calling out any of that kind of stuff. They're not calling out any of this stuff. They just call out what's easy. They can put money towards a news organization and say, hey, talk about gender equality across the world and say that that women need to do better in all these places, which in most places, women are actually doing better than than men, at least in Western countries are doing much better than men. And it's like you are you are funding nonsensical stuff that in no way is actually helping people, but makes you feel good and is pushing the agenda that you want to push because the real issues that we should be talking about. Like going, look at, look at the climate change stuff. Bill Gates, again, with the farmland stuff. They mm-hmm. want to say, oh, it's all about climate change. It's about climate change. It's like, well, then why aren't you giving money to the city of San Francisco? Because the city of San Francisco stopped putting trash cans on their beaches because they said it cost them too much money to have workers come and empty the trash cans. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing that. So you're making your beaches and all these places look like crap. And then you say you care about climate change. I know that's a lot. I'm going on a lot of different things, but but there's so much of this that is like people will always be fine giving money to these these solutions and these things they say are going to help people. They're not looking at the real problems ever because they know that once the real problems are solved, which they have, most of the real problems, at least in America, have been solved and now they're getting worse because Mm -hmm. of these stupid people. Then they won't have anywhere to, to feel morally justified about it. To send their money to. So they don't solve real problems. And the baseline of it, it's even if you were solving real problems or problems that are near and dear to your heart, what you're doing is disingenuous because you are influencing media with your money. You are not getting... journalistic integrity when it comes to the actual god honest truth the objectivity of the matter you are getting bill gates opinion of the objectivity of the matter you are getting what he thinks about certain things you are not getting the information that is your right to have you are getting what he believes is the information that you have the right to have and it is not just with news media outlets it's not just your cnn's your msnbc's your nbc's your npr's although he is funding that to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars it's it's all 
also the entertainment programs that you're watching. Here's more. He's also in direct connection with Viacon CBS, which produces shows like ER and Law and Order SVU. And it says here that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has a direct network with these people and they intervene to change the storylines of these popular TV shows. So when you turn on Law and Order SVU and you start hearing about how racial equity is the most important issue when it comes to uh, sex crimes in, in New York City, or you turn on ER and you talk about how a, a transgender comes into the ER because they were beaten in the street for being trans, it's because these people are influencing and infiltrating the storylines of the shows that you and your children watch. Yeah. It used to be Grey's Anatomy. Now they're going to rename it Gay's Anatomy. <laughs> they would they, if they had their way. They probably they would. would. They probably would. Oh my goodness. It's yeah, just it's, it's crazy. I, it's no. it's the rabbit uh, hole. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like it's one of those things that is just again, I, I can't stress enough. It's a uniting factor between both sides of the political aisle. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, you want the God honest truth. You don't want this. You don't want bias. You don't want some billionaire telling you what you can and cannot think and what you can and cannot see. You want the truth. And even if we come to different conclusions about our own opinions on the truth, we deserve to have it. And he is not giving us that. The elites who control these media outlets are against you having proper information. Well, that's why it's, I mean, I mean, you were half right because the people who like there are people on the left and on the right who are fine with this happening, but they are part of the elite. It is a it is a class issue. Nobody it, should be it, fine. It, no yeah. one should be fine. Of no. course not. But it's but they don't care because they're part of this elite. I right. mean, it is a class issue. Yes, it, it is. is them versus us. It is the normal people, hardworking Americans. I mean, if they cared about some of these problems, like go to go to California. OK, go out into the desert of California and you will find illegal immigrants coming into the desert and setting up weed and dispens and not dispensary weed marijuana farms out there and what do they do with all the toxic waste and the pesticides and stuff they dump them into rivers they leave it around which is horrible for the environment again if you say that you care about the environment or you care about these issues then you should be working on the things that the common man also cares about yeah. okay but you're not it's all just virtue signaling worthless garbage that these people push for <laughs> literally it is worthless it is that's all it does is it demoralizes you. Like all of these stories are surrounded around just demoralizing people, changing the culture, changing the way you lead your lifestyle, telling the telling you the, the way that you lead your lifestyle is wrong, uh, talking to you about all this injustice and all of this oppression. How does that make you feel as a normal person? Demoralized. And what do people do when they're demoralized? They either look within themselves, which we don't love individualism anymore, so nobody's going to do that, or they look up and go, well, somebody fix this, somebody solve it, somebody solve it. And Bill Gates, as he funds these issues and funds you learning about these issues and funds you being demoralized is going to say well come to me i can solve it we've seen him do it in crisis after crisis come to bill gates i've got the money i've got the resources and i'm smart enough to tell you what's true and what's not and let me fix it and let me work with the u.s government to do that that is the ultimate goal i'm sure in the comments right now or after this video is done there's going to be people giving the conservative case for Bill Gates buying up all the farmlands and media companies. You know, I'm sure there's something, the conservative uh. case for vaccine <laughs> mandates. It's like, man, not good. Okay. We yeah. can't just, we can't just look at like this, this, this lens of what, you know, we have been told of, of what this market economy is supposed to be. We have to look at these things and understand the people who have power and how they, they wield that power to mm -hmm. abuse the system. That is what we have to do. It is what we have to do. And it's just like, sometimes you step, you 
everybody needs to step out of the bounds of their ideology to identify something that is common among all of us. And this is common among all of us. This is a common fight <laughs> for for us, at least the people who are not elites uh, on both sides. And step out of your ideology for a second. Mm-hmm. Don't come and give the conservative take on a, why Bill Gates is a lot, blah, blah, blah. You know that it's wrong. (laughs) You can see it and you know that it's wrong. So step up and say, okay, even though this may go against my ideology, here's where the fight is because you should care more about what's true and what's right and what's wrong. I know. I posted today on Instagram this morning about Virginia's new governor and him saying that, hey, I'm not going to impose or vaccine mandates or, you know, I'm not going to impose or I'm going to let whoever, whatever county or whatever, do their own thing with the vaccine mandates instead of just saying no vaccine mandates in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell are you doing? And then people are, you know, coming to me saying, you know, it's fine to do that. You know, that's what it's all about. Like they can choose what they want. I'm like, no, no, you should, should just ban it. <laughs> you should just ban it. These are horrible things to do to people. Yep. Yeah. Shouldn't I, be allowed. No, it shouldn't be allowed. Should not be allowed. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Now let's get into uh, a question that has a lot of a lot of nuance to it, and it's probably going to be a little a deeper discussion. Does America need to live? Do Americans need to live more like Europeans? And this is an article, an opinion piece out of Bloomberg, talking specifically about the supply chain shortages. Although we can sort of step outside of that, go from micro to macro, and talk about more uh, differences between American society and European society. But the basis of this article is saying that U.S. consumers need to start living more like European consumers, uh, in direct reference to the supply chains. Now let's get into the substance of this particular article. Again, you can read this on Bloomberg Opinion. Uh, Now, it's become the conventional wisdom that the U.S. economy is built on America's endless uh, appetite to buy lots and lots of stuff. Household consumption makes up about 67% of the GDP. When the economy falters, we're told spending is our patriotic duty. But suddenly, Americans can't spend like they used to. Store shelves are emptying, and it can take months to find a car, refrigerator, or sofa. If this continues, we may need to learn to do without and horrors live more like the Europeans. That actually might not be a bad thing because the U.S. economy could be healthier if it were less reliant on consumption. So over time and over the past few decades, our consumption has grown at a, at a very, very high rate. And when we look at that in comparison to other European countries, it looks not the same at all. We do consume at an alarming rate. Now, the opinion laid out in this article is that Americans should get used to consuming at a lower rate, more like the Europeans, uh, and living less excessively because it is inherently uh, harmful to us as Americans. Yeah, luxury items have really been kind of the thing for America. Mm-hmm. As, as America's become more and more wealthy, we're the wealthiest country in the world. We have said we want to buy luxury items, mm-hmm. you know? You used to be able to maybe buy someone bought a yacht. Now I'm going to buy a super yacht. And now I'm going to buy a super, super yacht, yeah. right? Like that's like the, the luxury items that we have in America have like totally expounded to be just the most wild things that people can imagine. And so that t- type of luxury industry has really blown up. And I think that's a lot of what they're trying to reference here in, in terms of that. And it's hard to say because I don't want to be like Europe. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't I don't like European style for men. I find it very feminine. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly what they're I know what they're not. saying. I know here. it's not. I'm just saying. What I would say uh, was an interesting point laid out in this article. They talk about how our um, in not our innate but our Americanized sort of cultural um, 
leaning on consumption and consumption at a very alarming rate creates a lot of issues. Uh, One issue that they sort of lay out in this article is our direct relationship with China, which we all know are involved in a lot of crimes against humanity, especially when it comes to products, creating products and consumptions. And whereas our luxury market has grown quite a bit in America, I think what's grown more so than our luxury market is our day-to-day household item market and not trying to get the best uh, when it comes to those items, but getting the cheapest. And to get the cheapest, we are using slave labor in China and having increased production there and outsourcing our manufacturing rather than doing it here at home. Because we know here at home, we are not going to produce as much as we can in the Chinese economy and in the Chinese market. So there's a lot to think about when it comes to does America, should America look more like Europe? I think instead of outsourcing our manufacturing, we should bring it over to America. And if that means less consumption, then maybe that's that's the Well, case. that's the, you know, against the laissez-faire type of free market attitude. Right. Because if you can, if a company says I can make, if I can sell, make my stuff in China and then sell in America for cheaper Mm -hmm. than having to make it in America, then they're pretty much always going to choose to make their products in China. They are. Regardless of whatever human rights, well, not always, but sometimes regardless of human rights violations, because that's just make some more money. So it's, but you know, myself, I'm sure many other people agree. Some people disagree. I think that a lot of these industries should in some ways be forced to make their 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 goods and services in America. They should they should have to make a lot of their goods and services in America if their main market is selling to Americans. In many ways, first of all, it's a national security issue to be making some things across overseas, especially when it came to COVID. We're getting our masks, we were getting our PPP or PPC equipment. PPE, yeah. yeah, PPP equipment from over in China. We we're getting the tests from China, all these different things from China. That is a national security threat. I uh, I think I'm an America first type of guy. Okay. I, I want I want to put America first, not China first, not any of these other countries first. And if we do that, then I think we could have less consumption. But I think that we are so worried. I think that it goes to a deeper problem of not just like getting stuff from China, but that we can, we feel like the things that we own are some sort of status symbol here in America versus maybe other places around the world. That's, I think that's a big part of it as well. I mean, there's so many factors that go into what we consume. I think the average American is probably not as, uh, not as consumed with being eco-friendly as people are in Europe. So that influences the way that you consume. We are also far more uh, obsessed with materialistic items, as you said, and they don't even need to be luxury items. They can be cheap substitutes for those things, which is why we consume and consume and consume. And there's fake this and fake that and cheaper this and cheaper that. Uh, And in Europe, that is not uh, so pervasive of an issue when it comes to their culture. So in many ways, I would say I I can agree with a lot of what is said in this uh, article that it would not hurt us to look and act yeah. a little bit more. There's some like Europeans. Europe, some things. Europe is not free like America. No. Nowhere is free like America. No, none of those European countries have a constitution like America. Mm-hmm. None of them have the First Amendment like America, obviously. Yep. So there's a lot of things about Europe that you would not want to have in America. Absolutely. It's like, that's why I love Fight Club. Have you seen Fight Club? <laughs> I have seen Fight Club. Have you seen Fight Club, Taylor? Have I seen Fight Club? Of course. Okay. Well, some people haven't seen Fight Club. I'm sure there's people watching who haven't seen Fight Club. Don't uh-huh. be so judgmental, Taylor. <laughs> but Fight Club is a movie all about getting rid of material objects and 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 kind of you know finding yourself as a man and and finding your true purpose in, in a lot of ways. And that's and I love it for that because it like looks at the the consumer culture of America with Starbucks and all these different things and says you know screw that I'm going to live in in squander. And become a enlightened Ubermensch myself because of what I'm doing, uh, and not worry about the material things that I have. 
I mean, it's like, uh, you can be America first and love America and think America's the most exceptional country in the world. Does that mean we're devoid of problems? Absolutely not. And consumption is clearly one of those problems. And it's, it's in everything. It is our relationship with China for these cheaper goods. It is our diet here when it comes to consumption in America. Mm-hmm. The Our portion sizes in America are larger than they are in Europe. Our consumption of porn, our are massive we have the largest market for sex slavery in in all of the world so clearly americans do have an issue with consumption and it is not a knock on the country to admit that there are problems occurring in the country right taylor you're shaking your head now i was i think i'm i'm pro i i hear everything i'm skeptical about an over-reliance on china <laughs> i don't think consumerism is a good thing i think it's very easily you know you can go way too far with it mm-hmm. but i do think that america should be the most or among the most prosperous countries in the world. And I think the, the appetite for goods and services is largely what drives that. Um, I think that for efficient economies and for uh, to be competitive on the world stage, you need to be able to outsource certain things um, right. where it's more efficiently manufactured. Um, but I also think that it makes sense. I mean, that's more of a um, macroeconomic sort of uh uh, geopolitics where you have to put pressure on like the government needs to put pressure on China um, it's not necessarily like I don't like the idea that we need to live we just we don't we, like America it's like the the argument that uh, what was it the Washington Post made mm-hmm. about like oh you're upset about inflation we'll just lower your expectations it's like oh things are becoming less affordable we'll just just uh, don't you know as Americans just don't expect to be as prosperous or don't expect to have access to as many goods or or lower your lifestyle it's like I yes I, I think there's a problem with debt in America I think people sure. are done with their money I think they do spend th- spend too much money on things that they don't need for status symbols. I think there is a culture of materialism that's bad, but I don't think the solution to that is just to just say blanket. Let's uh, nationalize or like bring everything back home, bring oh, all no. manufacturing back home, and it's 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 dumb and it can shoot yourself in the foot. And you know, while we're on it, like you, th- we've removed our own ability to be competitive on the world stage when it comes to oil. Look what's happening to oil prices. We stopped our own ma- production of that. I would start there and start to have bring some money back into America where it's most. <laughs> efficient to instead of trying to like compete with China on making plastic toys or something and making like them be made in America. Like people will pay premium prices for, th- for goods that are made in America if that's something that they care about. But I don't, it, I don't know. Relationship in China. My issue with the U.S. relationship in China, particularly when it comes to product manufacturing. Hold on, we didn't have audio for a second. Are we good guys? Tell us in the chat. I think we're good. I think we're good. Now. I think we're good. Okay. I'm going to start from the top again. My issue with China when it comes to product manufacturing for the U.S. is not necessarily the outsourcing of American jobs, although I do think that will become more uh, pervasive of an issue as time goes on. My issue is that it is outsourcing to a country that is not treating their workers properly. The reason it is so cheap to have your products manufactured in China is because they pay their dirt wages, slave wages, and people are throwing themselves off of buildings and then being caught in nets and then put back in the factory. I care. (laughs) That's a massive problem. Listen, I care about people in China, but I care much more about American jobs being sent overseas. Look at what is happening. We have a crisis of of masculinity in this country. We have, uh, have men who are staying at home longer than ever before. They're living with their parents. They're not getting married. They're in debt more. They're dying more. Their life expectancies are going down for white males. I mean, all of these things are happening. And so much of it is because labor has become so meaningless in this country. Because you have you have too many people coming in, first of all, legal immigrants, and then you have labor that can just be shipped overseas. So labor becomes essentially meaningless. So you have this, this middle gap of America, the middle of America, with all these men who are basically saying, 
what am I supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. So American jobs being sent overseas is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing for America, mm-hmm. for American men. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, we have to ban any, everything from ever coming into this country. We should incentivize you know, I, it. Like I drive a BMW, like I, you know, as a German car, I understand. Right. You know, but, but all of the jobs that, that we have let go overseas is bad. It is bad. And we can't just say, oh, well, these men in America, they just need to learn how to code. Learn how to code, men in America. <laughs> truck, oh, you've been a truck driver for 30 years? Well, who cares? You know, now we're going to automate truck drivers and, and send the, the making the truck parts over to China. And it's like, no, screw that. Screw all that. Like, like have it in America. Have it in America. This is the heartland of America. I do not want to see young men growing up in this country where they can't get a job because they didn't get the technical skills that Bill Gates and the, the liberal elites at universities want them to have. Yeah. I agree. I mean... But to be fair, there's a shortage of uh, truck drivers right now. Right now, and I think there's easier places to improve economic um, fortunes than repatriating jobs and repatriating the like manufacturing in the U.S. And for example, in in the trucking industry, there's a shortage of truck drivers. They they don't give the license for truck drivers until they're like what 20 in their early 20s mm-hmm. you could lower that to, mm-hmm. to 18 and have a, a greater supply of workers mm-hmm. unemployment's a huge thing right now in the u.s anyways so anyway i just think that there are, there's lower hanging fruit in solving economic problems and i think it's 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 it can be like a reactionary like populist talking point to say well we just need to bring all these jobs back when you do this and that and this may not be the most the easiest way to get from a to b in terms of um, improving the fortunes of the, the lower class and keeping in mind that if we repatriate manufacturing goods get more expensive and that hurts the lower class and and the common man as well We're if the lower class, so there's a lot of things that hang in balance jobs. like look at look at west virginia look at detroit look at some of these other places in michigan like places where these industries have left they are shells of the places that they used to be and these are millions of people like the middle class is disappearing in this country because partly because we are sending jobs overseas middle class jobs are getting outsourced to people overseas whether that's in india whether that's in china other places they are getting the middle class is dying so the poor is getting poor and the rich is getting richer and the middle class is dying because we are sending our jobs away we should have strong american jobs for people to be able to build a family like you can't build a family off of one income anymore in america in the same way that you could before you know like all of these things are connected. I agree, I agree there's problems. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we have to be nuanced in the way that we solve them and understand that when you just, anything that you change changes other variables and that may have externalities you didn't intend to happen and it may hurt the people you're trying to help. That's what the left does all the time. So I don't think we should, we should be wary of falling into the same trap. And this is a sophisticated economic conversation. Sorry, I was wrong camera. (laughs) (laughs) It is a sophisticated one and it has a lot of nuance. I think uh, one thing to take into account is like we're in an unprecedented uh, economic sort of question mark right now in America because of what's happened over the past two years with COVID-19 and the great the subsequent great resignation and the high rates of unemployment all linked together. We're in a really weird sort of limbo spot in our economy that I'm not sure what is going to come out of it without a massive restructure in the way that Americans are now choosing to uh, lead their lives and the way businesses are functioning. It's just a really weird time. The debt bubble will explode. And the left wants people to have their jobs taken away by robots. Lots of people want, the elites in this country want robots to take our jobs. That's their utopia that they see. Again, they don't care about how that affects the the dude working in the Midwest in Kansas who who's trying to work as a you know UPS driver to provide for his family. They don't care about him. 
Okay, they care about this new shiny technology. It's literally just like Jurassic Park with Ian Malcolm, where he's like, you know, you did it so fast. You, what, what's the line, Taylor? You know the line. Ah, uh, you you were so worried about whether you could that you didn't stop and ask whether you should. Exactly, and that's what the, these kinds of things seem like. You know, a company or whatever. And I'm tr- not not trying to demonize companies at all. Because if a company can make more money doing it this way and sending jobs overseas, then it makes sense for them to do so. Yep. I'm not trying to demonize them. But the incentives to keep jobs in America has been sold out by our own government. Our government, Congress, does not incentivize people to keep jobs in America, right? They should be giving tax breaks, to better tax breaks to, jo- to, to businesses who want to keep their jobs in the states, things mm-hmm. along those lines. So that they make it so that people can actually keep their businesses here and have it be affordable, right? But when you make it so easy because you're, 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 you're basically controlled by these entities, then, you know, that's what's going to happen. So there needs to be a restructure. I mean, a restructure is imminent. I'm all yeah, for I mean, it. We need like a great reset or something. <laughs> <laughs> you will own nothing and you will be happy. That is where this leads. It leads to you will own nothing and be happy. You will own nothing and be happy is is consumerism at its peak, right? Yep. I, I, that's what it really gets to. Now, let's let's move on to some other uh, hot topics. You may have read the title of this stream and saw Chelsea Handler attacks Kyle Rittenhouse. Chelsea Handler is... Uh, Oh, goodness. She's a leftist that I think we're, we're all quite familiar with. She's supposed to be a comedian. Uh, some might call she her. She is not a comedian. Some she might is call a, her a spinster. Some might call her a comedian. Uh, but Chelsea Handler has come out and called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. It's so weird. <laughs> the rhetoric <laughs> around Kyle Rittenhouse, this white guy who killed two other white people, is a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. He's really not doing much to really continue the, the birth of his race. No. In this case. No. It's a really weird way to uh, communicate white supremacy to America. No, it's quite strange. Yeah. Can you, I, I can't, I really can't fathom how somebody can see any of the facts. Like I'm trying to put my head, my mind uh, into uh, my old leftist state and think, how do I see this story and get white supremacy out of it? And the only thing I can think of is the fact that he showed up to a riot that was happening over uh, police brutality. That's the well, only thing. Pr- they don't have to prove anything. They can just say this. They don't have to show any facts for it. They can just say it's white supremacy. And everyone, just like when we saw on The View the other day when they said CRT is the new N-word for Republicans mm-hmm. and everyone clapped, you can call Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist and everyone will clap. Okay, Just like a bunch of seals just clapping along. You just get to say whatever you want now. And it's just wild to me that there's no accountability she will not be called out to the extent that she should be for calling a young man a white supremacist you can just throw words out anytime you want you can just call anybody anything you want and it is completely devalued the word i saw jordan peterson get a little angrier than i typically see him on twitter over somebody calling him a nazi today but you should be angry that is a really extreme word to call somebody hey bucko yeah he's like i you Say that to me in public and we'll see who needs a benzo, bucko. (laughs) It's not fair. It's not good. You can't call somebody a Nazi. It means nothing. No, you can't. (laughs) This is is horrible. Jordan Peterson does not deserve that moniker. Kyle Rittenhouse does not deserve that moniker. When people say it to me all day on Twitter and to Amala on Twitter. Yep. Maybe they've said it to Taylor. I don't know. But on, on all sorts of stuff, they say horrible things to us. We don't deserve those those titles either. It's so easy to be on the Internet and call anyone anything you want. 
I go through sometimes, not usually, but sometimes, you know, we'll go through the comments on one of these shows and we'll see the things that the left say, or even, you know, salty people. And they will say, you know, horrible things to us that they would never say to us in person. Right. Chelsea Handler would never say that to Kyle Rittenhouse if she was next to Kyle Rittenhouse or at that trial or if she did any modicum of research as well. Oh, I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to continue the statement and then you did it. No, if I I said this on my Instagram today, which you can follow at the on and it'll be at the will wit at Taylor Trandall. Uh, anybody who has seen the facts around this case or watched the, the trial with a reasonable eye is not going to come out of the other end of this thinking he's a white supremacist or thinking that he's guilty, any reasonable person. So to anybody who says anything differently to me, you're simply not reasonable or you don't care enough to look into the things that you're talking about before you talk about them. Mm-hmm. That's just the basis of it. And I have a feeling Chelsea Handler has not looked into this trial at all. I don't think so. No. I don't think she looks into much. No. I don't think she does either. My mom, when I was younger, we used to watch Chelsea Handler a little bit. Used to watch Chelsea Handler, Kathy Griffin. Those are the things my mom liked to watch back in the day mm-hmm. on Bravo. Mm-hmm. You know? And I didn't think it was funny back then. Yeah. You're like, so. Mom, this sucks. You're like seven years old. You're yeah, like, this is garbage. Yeah. I did like E! News. <laughs> like, Bob, this is just not funny at yeah, all. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get into uh, a story, something we don't normally talk about. This is not a political story at all. This is more of a it's cultural kind of story. It might be a little political. I don't know that it, it really is. Uh, here is a cultural story since we want to constantly be more like the view, right, guys? Let's, let's start talking culture instead of politics. Like uh, Whoopi and joy behar mm-hmm. i mean they do both we <laughs> they can do, do both. both exactly we can do both okay uh <laughs> this is out of cnbc the title on this article 43 percent of adults say they have financially cheated on their partner can financial the cheating definition of financially cheating? okay so there's there's a lot of different definitions there's a lot of ways essentially it is any point using your finances in a way that your partner is not privy to. So this can be committing financial deception, saying, you know, you didn't buy something when you did or having far more debt than you ever told the person before you were in a relationship. It can be hiding purchases, bank accounts, credit cards, bills, cash, anything like that. Or it can just simply be lying about your earnings. Mm-hmm. So this, these are all signs of financial cheating. Okay. I, I would say that's probably a fair number. I would say it's actually probably higher than that. I feel like money is like the number one thing that people lie about. It's definitely Everybody. the number one cause that's cited for divorces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like everyone lies about money. You know? It's almost as if financial cheating can be seen as worse than I don't know physical if it would cheating. Be seen as worse. I mean everybody's I different, of course. I don't think it's personally worse either, but I could see where people like imagine you marry somebody, right? You're married for what, five years or whatever, mm-hmm. and suddenly she's like, Honey, can you sit down with me for a second? And you're like, Yep. I have $200,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. I, what are we going to do about this? And you didn't know about it the entire time. Well, isn't that kind of that guy's fault for not figuring that out beforehand? I mean, what if you have separate bank accounts? What if you never, like, what do you do? Run a credit check on your... Well, it, it's your fault for lying. Yeah. Right. It's the, whoever's being dishonest and not upfront about their financial situation is at fault. No, it's their fault. But, you know, you would hope to ask that person beforehand and say, hey, do you like... Do you have any debt before we get married? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are your finances, right? 
like understand what it is. But you would see, I could see how it would be a conversation that gets overlooked. Like you're dating this person, finances don't really ever come into question. Sometimes you pay for the date, sometimes she pays for the date to keep dating, whatever. It just never comes up. I could see where that might be the case. And you both think, oh, well, she's comfortable with her finances. I'm good with my finances. Why talk about it? And then you're five years into your marriage and she's like, I bought a Maserati once and drove it into a pool and now. Yeah, that's on you. If you don't make it an issue before you get married, that's yeah. on you. I'm and sorry. also that wouldn't be cheating because there was no expectation of, of at the time they took on the debt, they weren't you weren't in a relationship for one, R- right? Mm, okay, but when you get married, you incur that person's debt. So if you get married to somebody who did not tell you, I'm right. four hundred so thousand dollars in debt, and tell them, yeah, and figure and also ask. Yeah, you should that's definitely life. Need to ask. That's yeah. life ruining for you if you've married somebody who did not tell you they were. Can't you just divorce sick- them? significantly in debt not no i don't i don't think it's how it works i mean i'm sure you could but you are you're married that's like a big thing are you just gonna go like oh i'm divorcing you because you're in a massive amount of debt that you didn't tell me about (laughs) are you just gonna be like living off my couch for too long wife (laughs) yeah i've been watching this show 90 day fiance with Uh my wife and uh, they they well they do this it's happened with multiple couples on there the american guy finds some like hot girl from Eastern Europe or Russia or something mm-hmm. and brings her over on the, like a K one visa, which they only have 90 days to get married from the day they get there. It's like really hard to get and it's expensive. And then they, they didn't tell them ahead of time that by the way, I'm broke and I have a ton of debt and I can't fund a lifestyle. We have to live with my parents. Um, yeah. and one of them, like they have to live in separate bedrooms cause their parents are real traditional or whatever. And, uh, anyways, so they're letting these people come all the way from another country on based on the premise that I'm coming to marry this American guy and they don't even tell him the guy didn't even tell them that he's like mountains of debt and makes no money right like it's imagine like, that happening to you in normal life like imagine you're dating you can't this put guy. it all on the on the men though because those women are pretty shady in so many aspects okay still. but they still shouldn't lie they still shouldn't no, lie. i'm not saying they should be up front will be be up front because <laughs> it's like you are a billionaire man i'm coming to your country. no i know they're both dumb. that's what's crazy about that show is like it's just you're you see the trains about to collide and you can't look away type yeah, of thing it's yeah, just dude. It's so sad. That'd be cr- Imagine you like dating this girl or guy or whatever and they're like got a Maserati, they got their Rolex, they're dressed all nice. Like you think this person is perfectly financially literate and then you like marry them, you get through this whole thing and then they're like actually I bought all this on a credit card and I'm yeah. in massive amounts of debt and now you own that debt too but you're in love with me so it's okay, right? Like that's going to be. Well, that'd be a problem. Love is pretty subjective. <laughs> After that point yeah you know? exactly but who it's like i'm a big fan of dave ramsey and mm-hmm. he gets calls all the time better than i deserve and people call in and go like hey dave and she's he's like yes what's, what's your problem she goes well i didn't tell my husband that i'm like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt from college uh and now i'm getting all these letters sent to our house and i'm wondering what i should do it's like this happens all the time. He gets calls for it like every day. Just put your cash in some envelopes. It'll be all right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, that's devastating. That's that messed is up. Devastating. That's horrible. And 43% of Americans say they have engaged in some sort of financial cheating. Should we talk about the other issue we talked about before? What was the other issue? Okay. Oh, audience, yes. I'd like, audience, I'd like to hear your we'll thoughts. We'll put a on poll this. on this. We'll put a poll yeah, on this. Put a poll on do you this. eat all the Starbursts at the same time or do you divide the flavors? <laughs> I divide important. the flavors. And I also don't eat, I can't eat Skittles unless I eat them separately. Oh, goodness. We Here had we... a big debate about this yeah. before the show, but you weren't involved, Amala. Yeah, it's an okay. inside joke. You probably wouldn't get it. Oh, so sorry. Um, okay. If you're a man mm-hmm. and you're the breadwinner of the family, 
-hmm. and you are providing everything for the woman. Okay. She doesn't work. She has a kid. She stays home and takes care of them and does house stuff, things like that. Like a, like a traditional wife, like that type of role. Right. Mm -hmm. And you make however much money you make. Do you need to tell your wife how much money you make? If you, if she just has a card that like she can spend money, you do well, she can spend money. Do you need to tell her how much you make? I'm not saying, okay, here's my opinion on this. We'll put a poll down for you guys. I'm not saying you have to tell her how much you make. I'm just saying if you married the right woman, it wouldn't be a problem to tell her how much you make. I don't see why you would have a problem saying what you make to your wife, the person you've literally signed up to spend the rest a man of your thing. What? The person you've gone, I have, I'm, you've done the most vulnerable thing you can do in front of this person and say, I'm so in love with you that I would love to sign myself up to spend the rest of my known life with you until I die. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to tell you how much money I make. Right. Exactly. <laughs> what? That makes no sense. You don't sense. have to. I, I'm not, I think I'm with Amla on this one. That sounds pretty crazy. Taylor did not used to be on, with me on this one because we were on a car ride after filming a vlog, the border vlog that you guys did not get to see, but it, we did one. Uh, and every man in the car, there was three men in the car and they're all telling me i'm never gonna tell my wife how much i make i don't know why i did that voice but that's, that's exactly, how i didn't exactly say that there was, there's some other like angle but no i don't that's how i view the way you guys talk when you talk like that because if it's you not give your, if you give your wife a debit card and say listen just go buy whatever you want go shopping go get the groceries you're fine like you can do whatever you want and you're the man you make all the money in the relationship you don't have to tell her. Why? What is your hang up with not? Why don't you explain what your hang up is? Why not tell your wife? No, I'm saying you could tell her. But why? No, her. but you are not <laughs> you going to. you also don't have but to. But you are not going to. It's going to be your personal choice to not tell your wife. Why is that? Because you gave me a reason when we were in this car talking about it. I want to see if you give me the same reason now. I don't remember that. Uh-huh. Why not tell your wife how much money? No, I, I swear, I, I'm not being even <laughs> facetious. I actually don't remember. I'll tell you what Will said. What Will said, said because when you tell women how much you make, they get all insecure and they want more. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is definitely true. <laughs> that was a great point that that guy Will would make. Yeah, that guy made a great point. <laughs> That is not true. See, because then if it's you like, tell okay, them. well, maybe like after a certain amount, like once uh -huh. they have enough to know that they're like secure, you know, that's fine. But after a certain amount, is it like, okay, you should, they shouldn't know more because then they'll want to spend everything? Is that your argument? Like you wanted to be frugal. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That okay, you don't horrible. have to ever be frugal. But just like you wanted to be responsible with your money, you know, like you can go to the kids don't need Gucci. You can get, you can go to Kohl's and get them clothes. Right. But if she thinks like, oh, you make a million dollars a year, like she's going to be like, all right, well, I'm now I'm gonna, like, who cares? oh, my goodness. So you don't want your wife to be able to use your wealth when you're the you're the provider. You don't want her to be able to use your wealth in, in the way that she sees fit. Not to waste it. <laughs> I don't want her to waste there it. There is no substantive argument for not telling your wife, your betrothed, okay, how here, much you make. Wait, here's another one. Should your wife know how much your life insurance policy is for? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And when you put out she a life insurance to. policy. Look, I've watched a lot of episodes of true crime and once it gets to a certain number, people, they mad. Okay, baby, they incentivized but. incentivized to. What? Put some like arsenic in your breakfast. Come on, Taylor. Cereal or something. Agreed. Agreed. Then that's called what I call that is the Darwin Award because you picked the wrong wife and it came back to bite you. You're <laughs> that's getting the same an honorary thing with the debt thing. No, if you pick the wrong person, you pick the wrong person. So if you if you picked a the proper wife, which when you put out life insurance, that's a process you should do together. You should both know how much life insurance you both have on each other. Uh, Depending. 
It's a big. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. For the record, my wife knows how much I make. Life insurance. She knows everything. Well, good. And I picked the right person, so it's all good. Yeah, but. exactly. So just pick the right person, you weirdos. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, you can do hey, whatever you want. Your, what's your okay? wife's, what, what's your policy with your wife? Well, oh wait. <laughs> my husband, actually. Yeah. No, listen. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Right, you the want the the poll is 77%. Yes, you should always tell your wife. I put the word always. Of always course tell your wife you should. You of make. course you should. 20, my 22%, where you at, baby? <laughs> you know how much resentment your wife is going to have for you when you don't tell her like any of the pertinent no, information? No, she's going to be happy because she just gets to do what she wants. Yeah, she's going to be like, how many other women are getting to do what they want? And why won't you tell me about your... Fi- what are you hiding that you won't tell that me about your not, finances? No, that is not the case. It is just that, you know, she wants to do her thing. But you don't have a reason. Okay, so here's something about women that you may not know, Will. <laughs> I think I probably when you, know this. When you don't have a reason for doing something, which you don't have a reason for not telling her your finances. I do have a When you don't have a reason for telling a woman something, she will conjure up a reason for why you're not doing it. So what you're going to do is harbor resentment in your relationship because you refuse to tell the woman who you chose to spend the rest of your life with how much money you make no but see then she's gonna resent me anyway because then i'll tell her how much money i make and then she'll say and then i'll say she's like oh can i go shopping and buy all this stuff and i'll be like no like that's wasteful <laughs> oh and my then gosh she'll resent me because i tell <laughs> why her why not just talk about it and have the conversation though i hope she would be rational and it's not how much so, money you it, make it's how much money we make when you get married no i make the oh money, and then she gets to use it oh my <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> All right, maybe I'm getting a little if, carried away. If Will's future but. wife is watching this, baby girl, I'm praying for you. You're, I, I'm not even religious, and you're in my prayers, baby girl. <laughs> because <laughs> she's gonna be so happy. She's gonna be, she's gonna be able to spend two hundred dollars a month, whether, <laughs> whether she needs it or not. Yeah, every month. Yeah. Listen, her and the kids both get allowance, <laughs> and if they do their chores, they both get some money. She mows the lawn and cleans up the dog poop. Okay. I think that's the end of today's (laughs) show. We're going to leave everybody to pontificate on what we've discussed and what we've debated in regard to telling your spouse how much you make. I hope if you're a man watching this, you tell your spouse how much money you make. I think that you as a man can do whatever you like. As long as, as uh, as long as that philosophy often ends well for marriages. That's great. As a woman, Great advice, Will. <laughs> no, here's my thing. Okay, listen. Just don't be... I think you probably should tell, okay? But I'm saying that you don't have to, okay? There is no, like, standard of saying that you have to tell. So if you feel like it, for sure, do whatever you want. But you don't have to. Is that fair? I Sure. I feel like that was pretty fair of me. Sure. <laughs> and I even told you what I, my rationale was, which I didn't have to, by the way. <laughs> But I told you. (laughs) Guys, hopefully you learned something. Put down in the comments below whether or not you think Will should tell his future spouse how much money he makes. And hopefully you will influence his opinion on that. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. That is in the afternoon, not in the morning. That would be weird. If you guys would rather listen than watch, go to Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on all those platforms. We are trying to boost the people listening rather than watching or just do both. You love us so much that you want to hear our opinions twice over We'll be back tomorrow, 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern, and we will see you then. Amla, how much money do you make? (laughs) I'm not going to tell the world how much money I make. Why not? Not even for concern of how much money I make, but for concern of the response to how much money I make. How's that? 
You hear that, guys? She How much did Bill us? Gates give you to cover certain <laughs> topics on the show? I wish, Bill. Hit me up, Billy. Hit me up, Billy boy. Buy me some farmland any day. <laughs> actually, no, please. Don't do that. He might actually take me up on the offer. He's a very strange man. <laughs> Synthetic meat, baby. <laughs> Bye, guys. See Bye. you tomorrow. Thanks for watching both episodes of Will and Alma Live today. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry about, about that. that.